This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. We're going to jump right in uh, this morning because I don't have too much time because uh, you're amening, so it gets shorter every time you amen. So we're going to read Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 6 to 10. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 6 to 10 in the New King James. New King James. I just like the New King James. I don't know what it is. Uh, see? I don't, I don't know what it is. Everyone's on this New International and New Living, and I'm just like, come on, I need some King James. I need some New King James. Not, not King James. That's Shakespeare. I can't understand that. Uh, so verse 6 says this, and it, not, and it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. What's interesting here is this story is actually found in Matthew. It's also found in Mark. Uh, but Luke is the only one that makes mention that it was actually his right hand. Uh, because Luke is a doctor, and Luke pays attention to details. Uh, so Luke makes it, makes, I wanted to ever let everybody know that it wasn't just any hand, it was his right hand. And so uh, his right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. I'm going to preach from the topic this morning, left-handed, left-handed. God, thank you so much for your word. God, we're, we're thankful uh, for, for this place. I just pray, Lord, that you would take me and use me. God, get my own personality and self out of the way and let you come in. God, I pray that you would speak this morning through me. I pray, God, that your word does not return void. So we thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders and miracles and all the things you promised after the word is preached and taught. So, God, we expect big things this morning, and we expect your word to hit good ground. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So I'm left-handed. Anybody else left-handed? Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, see, this is what I'm going to get to. So, so I'm glad you said that, Andrea, because it proves a point. You must be right-handed. Yeah, I can tell. So here's the thing. <laughs> Left-handed people, I'm convinced we need our own holiday, okay? We're persecuted. I'm not ashamed. I want me to be quiet about it. Listen to this, though. This is what, this is what drives me nuts about, about right-handed people, and I love them. I love them so much. But they treat left-handed like it's a disease, they do, because the, the follow-up questions they ask afterwards makes me think, am I okay? Do I need to go see a doctor about this? Because once someone finds out you're left-handed, because if you're left-handed like me, you've been around people long enough that you realize that you're going to get outed for being left-handed, and then you're going to feel embarrassed and ashamed about it, so you, you hide it, right? So this is, this is a dead giveaway if someone's left-handed, right? They like, write like this. So in school, I got made fun of, so I took all my pages, and I flipped them to the side, so then I write normally, and, I, and you know, I never really got caught. But one of this, one, anytime someone catches me being left-handed, they say, there's three different questions they always ask. They say this, can you write with your right hand? 
I'm like, I don't know. Why is that a question? If I asked you the same question, it just seems bizarre. But yet, you can ask me that question. The other one is this. Uh, the other one is this. Have you always been left-handed? <laughs> like, I feel like I honestly have a disease. And this is the worst one. The last question that always comes up is, someone in your family must be left-handed. Like, it's a genetic disorder. You know what I realized? That, that my parents are left-handed. And uh, studies show that if your parents are left-handed, there's a 26% chance that you will be left-handed. Okay? So my parents had four kids. I'm left-handed and everybody else is right-handed. That's pretty good math. That's pretty good math. And, and it's funny, I was, I was actually uh, asking my dad, he went to, when he went to school, he was left-handed, and then when he was in school, they actually forced him to write with his right hand. And that was a thing back then. I mean, they only had right-handed desks, and what does that even mean? Like, I'm picturing not a regular desk. It must be some kind of armrest or something in there. I don't know. Uh, and, and they forced him to be right-handed, but to this day, he writes with his right hand, but he does everything else with his left. Uh, and I think it's funny that, that they tried to reteach him how to live, but all it did was just teach him how to write with his right hand, everything else with his left. Uh, and we don't have a disease. I just need to say that again, okay? Left-handed people, once again, where are my left-handed people at? Okay, be loud and proud. Okay, you're left-handed people. Don't clap. Don't, okay. Feel your judgment already. Uh, but I, I think it's funny. I was, I was reading this story this week, and God's really pressed something on my heart that I want to speak to you about. And it's about this topic of being left-handed as a Christian. So we have this story of this man with a withered hand. And, and we don't know how long this man has had this condition. We don't know how long his hand has been withered. We can all agree in this moment that it would affect every single part of his life. You'd have to learn to live with one hand. He'd have to learn to tie his shoes with one hand, learn how to dress himself with one hand. He'd have to learn how to work his job with one hand, how to hide his right hand, but, but still learn how to live just, just with his left hand. And, and the, the story is crazy to me because this man must have been dealt with, dealt with this a very, very long time. Because in this uh, time, in this age, the traditions of the day would say that if you have a deformity or, or you have something wrong with you and you have a sickness, you need to cover it up when you're in public. So this man became very good at making people aware that he, he, he's, he's got an issue, but he's hiding it. He's hiding it, and, and, and his, it's his right hand, and everyone thinks, well, maybe he only has one hand. No one's ever seen his other one before. But he had one, it was just hurt. And he had one, it was just covered up. And in verse 6, Jesus is, is, uh, is teaching at church on a Sunday morning. It says on the Sabbath, and, and he, Jesus is there, and he's preaching. And it makes mention, Luke makes mention that the man with the withered hand was also there. Uh, why he would bring that up might mean because maybe this man generally didn't come to this synagogue. And we don't know what made him come that day, but some scholars believe, this is crazy, I read this this week, some scholars believe that maybe he was invited there from the religious teachers of the day. Find the man with the withered hand and make sure he's there because Jesus is going to be there. See, this man shows up and he thinks that he's being accepted. He thinks, oh, I'm here. Maybe they saved him a seat on the front row. 
And, and he's, he's excited. He gets there early. He gets up extra early because he takes time to dress himself. And he gets to church on Sunday, and Jesus is there, and he's preaching. And all of a sudden, you can tell what's actually happening, that the religious leaders invited him there, not because he was accepted, but because God was being tested. And God was being tested in that moment because the traditions of the day back then would say that, well, you can't heal on a Sabbath day. That was against tradition. It was against the law. And the only way that you could administer medication if you were a doctor or heal is whether or not it was a life or death situation. So now here's this man with a withered hand invited to church, sits there, and all of a sudden he's aware of the fact that the, the religious leaders wanted him there not because he's accepted, but because they're taking a moment to see whether or not Jesus would break the law so that they could accuse him. So now he's a part of this master plan that he never wanted to be a part of. He just wanted to come to church and see Jesus. And Jesus is preaching, and all of a sudden, he's done because he hears the thoughts. And hears the thoughts of the religious leaders, and he wants to make mention of it. I think it's funny that we can even catch ourselves doing this sometimes. It's almost like our thought life is still secret from God. You know, like... Well, if I don't say it, like, can't really get in trouble. And that's how we think. And I think it's funny that we look at these Pharisees and these religious leaders and we're thinking, like, well, I mean, Jesus knew their thoughts, verse 8, but he knew their thoughts. And, and I think that so much of a today for myself, I actually think of the same thing. Wait a second. God actually knows what I'm thinking about. That's why God took the, Jesus took the uh, commandments and, and said, hey, you don't have to commit adultery. You just have to think it in your mind, and you've already committed it. All of a sudden, God's invading your thought life. God cares about what you think about. God cares about what worries you. God cares about what keeps you up at night. God cares about what's on your mind the first thing in the morning. God cares about you so much. He cares about what's going on inside your mind. So Jesus knew their thoughts and the motives of the religious leaders and said to the man with the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. See, Jesus is aware of the situation, but it doesn't change his action. He knows that he's going to be accused, but he doesn't care. Because you can't put Jesus in a box. You can't make Jesus fit into laws. I'll go there. You can't fit Jesus into political parties. What, what, what side is Jesus on? Is he a conservative? Is he a liberal? What side is Jesus on? None of them. God's on his own side. He's on his own side. He doesn't need to be represented by a political agenda. He doesn't need to run for office. Come on, God was never elected, so he can never be unelected. God is on the throne. He doesn't need a political party. Come on. God's on his own side. He's on his own side. So the religious leaders tried to put him in a box saying, well, the man with the withered hand, he's not dying, so you can't do anything about it, or it's against the law. I think it's funny and interesting that Jesus asked the man to stand. Uh, what's interesting about this is the traditions of the day, if you were in church and somebody was teaching, is uh, if you stood while someone was teaching, it was this... Uh, it, it, the only reason why you would do it is to, make, is to come up with this statement that says, I don't agree with what you're saying. 
or I don't respect that thought, or what you're saying is not true, and that's why you would stand in the synagogues. It was to make a statement that's saying, I don't know if I believe what you're saying is accurate. And so Jesus asked this man to stand. So you can imagine this man now, like, he doesn't just, you know, he, he's got to get some nerves and be like, okay, if I stand, like, it means, it means I'm, 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 I, I think you're wrong, and I don't think you're wrong. I just got put here at this crazy master plan with the Pharisees. I thought I was accepted. I didn't know if you are being tested, and he's going through all this in his mind. And Jesus asked him to stand, but Jesus wasn't asking him to, to, to stand because he thought Jesus was wrong. He asked him to stand because he wanted to make a point that the religious leaders were wrong. And so he stands. And I think it's interesting that he, he stood, and, and, and Luke says that he said, stand and come here. So now, he was with the common folk, and now he's standing at the front with Jesus. Can you see this? This is crazy, because this is against every rule, everything in the traditions of the day that a common person could not stand with Jesus. That was against the rules. You couldn't stand with a teacher. But God wanted to remind you today, this Bible is not written for people that were thousands of years ago. It went through thousands of years of persecution and death and destruction. And the Bible is still here because God wants you to know he wants you to stand today and stand with him. There's never been a time that was more crucial in our culture that we stand with Jesus. We need to stand with him. Stand. You need to stand up so God can step out. Because God will step up as soon as you stand up. God can do it. The reason why I think that so many times uh, God isn't being noticed in our communities might be because no one's standing out. How easy was it that day for the man with the withered hand to just sit back? No, I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need to be healed. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to believe that. In fact, I'm okay with traditions. I'm, I don't want to cause any trouble. And how easy it would be for him to just sit. How easy is it for us to just sit back? We have so much injustice. Not in our world. Not just in Canada. In Halifax. There's so much injustice and, 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 and just wrong that's going on. And we have a choice. Do we sit back and let the law make us sit? And let the law make us just blend in to, the, to just everyday life? And don't be like, just don't be weird. Just, just go with the flow and be like everybody else. No, I choose today to stand. Because when you're standing, you're standing with Jesus. Because when this man stood, he wasn't standing alone. Jesus was also there. And Jesus is wondering this morning if you would take a moment and stand with him. Because when you stand, you're standing for his standards, for his plan, for his direction, for his purpose, for his love, for his healing, for his faithfulness. I will stand. I want to be found standing for God. I want to be found standing. So now the man's standing in front of everybody. Verse 10 he looked around at them all. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. This could have been the first time many people saw the right hand of the man. It would have amazed people perhaps that even Jesus knew he had a right hand. But since, again, it was a public setting, the withered hand would have had to have been covered up. 
So God made him stand because he wanted him to know that his position mattered, but God made him stretch out his hand because he can only heal what we reveal. You can, God can only heal what we reveal. And so much of, of this man's life was hiding. This hand, I'm going to hide this. And pretty soon, he would become that man that walked around, left-handed, hiding all his issues, all his pain, come to church, hide his issues, hide his hurt, hide his pain, go to work, hide his hurt, hide his issues, hide his pain, go home to his family, hide his hurt, hide his pain, hide his issues, hide it, just hide it, just hide it. And pretty soon became that, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of this, and, and this is why I've been speaking about this this week is because God's been doing something in my life that I realized that I'm done with just hiding hurt. Because this is what happens when we hide. This is what happens. We become these left-handed Christians and we, and we say things like, hey, how are you? Hey, God's good, eh? Yeah, God's good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Before we know it, we've built this wall around us. No, one, no, one, no one's allowed within two feet of us because we're so ashamed and we don't want our hurts to be exposed that we just take our left hand and we, we be kind and we wave, but eventually we, we just push people away. Push people away. Can't, you, you can't come into my life. It hurts too much. I can't reveal that to you. It hurts too much. I can't deal with that. It hurts too much. And, and, and pretty soon we, we, just, we, we, we just hide. Some of us are, are good at revealing things to our families. Some of us, our own families, don't even know what we're going through. And I'm done with this thought that you need to hide your hurt. Because none of us are perfect. Why would we hide it? This man had a choice. Do I extend my left hand again? When Jesus said, stretch out your hand, do I, do I extend my left hand again? Because that's what I've been doing my whole life. Do I extend my left hand again? Or do I take a moment and say, you know what? I'm done covering up my issues and my hurts. I'm done with this. God, I need healing. And he reaches out his right hand. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know what it is in your life, but you need to reach out your right hand to God. Whatever's hurting and, and just on your mind 24-7, I don't know what it is for you. But for me, two weeks ago, I had this moment where I was at work. And I got called into this meeting. And uh, I, I, I kind of saw it coming, but not really. And I had this meeting with my boss, and we talked about some good things and some things we need to work on, you know, like classic like business meeting stuff. And in this moment during the, during the meeting, I, there was a lid that was lifted on a hurt in my life that I never dealt with. And this hurt caused me so much pain, I didn't know what to do. And so six months ago when it happened, I'm good, I'm good. Left hand came out, I'm good, I'm good. And I, and I built the wall up around me because I, I believe this, this age-old lie, right, that time heals. Right, like we're, we're taught that, hey, time heals, man. It sucks right now, but yeah, a couple months down the road, you're not even going to remember it. 
And I've been believing this kind of thing my whole life. I don't know who taught it to me. But time does not heal. If time healed, there would be no need for Jesus. What's the point of a Savior if you got time? Time doesn't heal. You're not promised any time. Time's nothing. So time doesn't heal. And then, and then I started to, to believe this other teaching of forgive and forget. Right? You know, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. But what happens if you can't forgive? You try and forget. And then you get the order mixed up. So then you go, forget, and then I'll forgive. Forget, and then I'll forgive. And then for me, it was training my mind, take that hurt, put it back here, and not think about it. Because I need to forget. And if I forget, I'll forgive. And I got this order all mixed up so that we had this meeting and the lid was lifted on this hurt and it felt like I went in a time machine and went back six months ago and here's all the hurt and all the pain that, that I'm just hit with in the face and I realized that I never dealt with this at all. Time didn't heal. Forgetting doesn't work. What am I supposed to do with this? And I realized that I have this issue where I take hurts and I put them in my right hand and I close them up and I don't tell anyone what's going on. Because, you know, you got to respect your leaders, right? you got to respect those people over you. you got to respect, hey, you don't want to waste anyone's time. you just got to come here. You, you serve. You, you, you speak. And, 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 and you go to your family and you be loving and you be kind and, and, and you love people. But, but, but eventually this hurt will resurface. Why does it resurface? Because God wants to deal with it. And you can either deal with it now, or you can deal with it six months worth of pain like me. And this caught me so off guard. All my emotions like six months ago, I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And it made me aware of how this habit in my life was there. Anytime I got hurt. No problem, man, no big deal. Oh yeah, I forgive you, no problem. Yeah, you're sorry, whatever, it's all good. Put it in the back of my mind. Forget, 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 forget. But I'm, I'm aware of this, that I might not be the only one that's been dealing with kind of the same thing. And if, if I said anything this morning, I just want to let you know that God can only heal what you reveal. He's too good to force you to do something. See, we all want God to intervene like Old Testament style, like show up, and, you know, split the ground, swallow up our enemies, you know, th 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 we're under a new covenant now. We can have a relationship with God, and he can deal with us on our own. And I realized this, the hardest person to lead is myself. Because if somebody called me and they were like, hey, man, I'm going through this issue, I would have all the right information to give them. So we don't have an information problem. We have an application problem. We're, we're starving leaders. We give and 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 we forget to, to kick some for ourselves because we think it's selfish. We think it's wrong. But I want to remind you today that this man, God picked him up, brought him to a higher place, and then asked him if he wanted to be healed. And my question to you this morning is, do you want to be healed this morning? Do you want to deal with that hurt that it, 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 might, not be, it might not be physical? It's probably mental, it's probably emotional, 
It's probably an issue or a hurt that somebody wronged you 10 years ago, somebody wronged you 20 years ago, six months ago. Doesn't matter, because I want to tell you just from experience, time does not heal, and you can't forget it. You need to forgive it. And only God can give you the power to forgive. So we've got some people that are going to help us and, and some prayer. We have a prayer team that will just come up front. And we're going to take a couple minutes. We're going to sing a song. And I want to encourage you that if you have something that you're going through, don't wait. Because I waited and it was not worth it. Don't wait. Don't wait. We're going to sing this song and, and, and we have a prayer team that's just down front. If you want someone to stand with you, I want to encourage you. These people are amazing. I get text messages from Doretta all the time. Hey, thinking about you and praying for you. I'm like, yes, I need that. I need that. We need community. We need us, somebody to stand with us. And I'll say this. If I'm going through something, I'm going to text Doretta. Because I know that where I don't have faith, she will. And where I'm weak sometimes, I know that she'll be a strength to me. And come on, if you need prayer, I'm going to invite us all to stand together. Uh, everybody in the room. But if you, would need, if you need prayer and you're like, hey, I'm tired of carrying this thing around. I'm, I'm tired of this. I just, I, need, I, I, just, I need someone to stand with me and believe that I can deal with this this morning. I believe that we can. I believe God is so good. I believe he's so powerful. And I believe your hurt has nothing, is nothing to do with your character, has nothing to do with your standing with God. God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are. So let's just sing this song. And as we sing, I just want to encourage you, if you need prayer, come down front and see these amazing people.